Well, thank you. Uh, it's a joy to be here with you today. Pastor Chad is in Tifton, Georgia with Wendy's family celebrating their Thanksgiving this weekend. He's teaching a men's Sunday school class today while he's there. So he turned this over to me to speak to you today. So I'm glad to be able to do that. Did you have a nice Thanksgiving? Okay. No, not everybody does. Some, many people do, but not everybody does. I heard this story and this kind of broke my heart. But I thought I would share it with you to uh, kind of set the stage with all the wonderful things that have been going on in the worship. Let me... Bring you back to earth. Okay. The morning before Thanksgiving, an elderly man in Phoenix, Arizona, called his son in New York and said these words to him. I hate to ruin your day, but your mom and I are getting divorced. We've been through so much pain and sickness and sorrow over these many years that we're through with it. I don't want nothing else to do with it ever again. You go ahead and call your sister and tell her, but we're through. This has just happened two days before Thanksgiving. So frantically, the son called his sister, and she was irate. She quickly called the father in Phoenix and said these words to him. You are not getting divorced. You've been together for many years. Your brother and I are going to come to see you. We're going to get tickets, and we're coming. We're going to come see you in two days. We're going to be there, and you are not getting divorced. You do nothing until we get there. Do you understand me? And the man hung up on her. And then the man turned to his wife and said, Honey, the kids are coming for Thanksgiving and they're paying their own flights. So, so if you had to bribe your kids to come or get them there some other way by hook or crook, it's probably all right. Well, let's close in prayer and then we'll be gone. Okay. Well, we know that each season of the year, each, each, during each year, we live certain seasons. Certain seasons come and certain seasons go. We're now into the season I love best of all called fall and heading into winter. And then, of course, always following that is spring and into summer. But did you ever think about this? That our God has times and seasons for our lives just like the natural seasons on planet Earth. I hadn't thought that much about it. But earlier this year, I was studying the book of Ecclesiastes. When I read the book of Ecclesiastes, it dawned on me that everything in that famous chapter made famous by the birds who sang to everything there is a season, turn, turn, turn. In that particular time, this is what happened, and this is what's going on in the season. So let's look at that verse in Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 and 2. Here's what it says. It says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And what it goes on, and then it says this, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot. It goes through so many things that are all about not summer, spring, winter, and fall like we think of, but about your life and my life as a human person. So all that stuff in there was about me. Now, that was a new thought to me. I hadn't thought about that for a long time before. So I started chewing on this for a while and thinking about my life. And I looked back over my life and I thought, well, I was in the season of winter for about X amount of time. And what's interesting about the season you may find yourself in, it's not like the natural rhythm of the world of three months, three months, three months, three months. You could be in winter for a year. But after winter always comes spring. You may be spring for a short time, quickly moving into summer in your life. And maybe then into fall. But your life goes through patterns, generally speaking, following the same type of order. And the more I look back on it and kind of charted my life, I could kind of see this pattern that I had never quite seen before. So it was a new thought to me. And I thought, well, I will share it with you. Maybe you're in the spring right now. And in the spring, all things are kind of new and joyful. 
and then something's happened that makes life new for you. I've, I know a couple in our church just got engaged. And so here they are, just engaged. Now, this is a new spring season for them. And I don't know how long it will last, but maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're in the winter season right now. And it's kind of dark, and it's kind of weary, and it's kind of sad, and it's kind of disappointing. It's, it's kind of like that. And you're, you've been in a winter season. That's true about people in this room. I talked to one of my dear, dear sweet friends in this church, and that's Sylvia Lockerbie, before the service this morning. We're talking about how she's experiencing Thanksgiving this year for the first time without her spouse of many, many years, Charlie, who died this year. And Christmas will be the same for Sylvia. And she's been in a long winter season. We've been talking about that. And guess what? She's going with us to Israel in January with our senior adults. And I said, Sylvia, I really believe the Lord is telling me to tell you that's going to be the turning of a corner and putting you into a spring season of your life when you get to the Holy Land with our group. So if you've gone through a tough time like that, there will be a springtime coming. Hang on and wait for it, and it will come. Here's one thing that's absolute for sure, though, in the seasons of your life. Things do not stay the same ever. You may be in a little season of your life thinking, I like everything the way it is right now. I like the way everything's working, everything's going, everything's doing. Buckle your seatbelt. It's about to change. And that's the way life works. And so understand that and appreciate it. Here's the good news. God is with you in every season you walk. Matter of fact, he said these words, I'll be with you in season and out of season. In other words, wherever you happen to find yourself, I'll be in the middle of it. Are you in the winter? He's there. Are you in the joy of summer and the fun? Yeah, he's there. Are you in the fall? Yeah. He's in every season in your life. Genesis 8.22 says this. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. It'll never cease. And so the seasons, he said, are going to be set in motion on planet earth. And that's true according to Ecclesiastes about our lives as well. Matter of fact, Ecclesiastes 3 says this. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its time in every season. He's planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. In other words, he's planted himself wherever you find your life. So learn to accept your current season, good or bad, and learn at the end of that season, you can grow because of things you've learned and mature in that season. You can be a different person every time the clock ticks and changes for the season of your life. And as you chart it and look backwards, that's called the providence of God. We can accept what's coming for us in the future knowing he is a good, good father. So let's talk about fall. That's where we find ourselves now. That's my favorite season of the year. How many of you would say that's also my favorite? Let me see your hands. The, the saved among you will raise your hands. Thank you. Thank you. How many of you, it's summer. You just, you're a summer person. The beach, that just... How about spring? How many of you love the... Fl- hey, springtime. Anybody for winter? There's four of you. Okay. I like winter. I used to love winter for like snow skiing and the beauty. In South Carolina, we don't really have skiing. North Carolina. But when we got to go to Colorado and see snow, I I like that. I like the skiing in that kind of an environment. So I did like some parts of winter. But all of you have a favorite season. But let's talk about fall for a minute. It's usually in the fall when people make their greatest contributions during the course of a year. It's harvest time. The leaves begin to change color. 
We drove up to Asheville a few weeks ago and we saw these uh, beautiful, amazing trees on the Blue Ridge Mountains. And it was just covered and it was stunning. And I love to see that. New rhythms occur. School starts. Daylight savings time is over. It's, isn't it weird for the first week or two of daylight savings time when it ends? I'm waking up. I'm, I, I'm trying to go to bed. It's like 7.30. I can get night. You know, it's been dark a few hours and I'm ready to go to bed. It changes your body clock and stuff. That happens. I love daylight. I love the fall too for football season. Particularly if you're a Clemson fan today. I love the football season. If you're an Ohio State fan, good for you. If you're a whatever else fan that won, Alabama fan, good for you. But I like football. I, I enjoy the fall season for some of these reasons. But here's what's also true. It's a time to look backwards and reflect. When we have a Thanksgiving holiday, it's a time to remember what God has given, what's gone on in the past. So we kind of celebrate that around family and some friends. And I love that time and season. It's a time to acknowledge God as provider, rainmaker, storm quencher, everything that he is to you and has been. He will be for you again into the future. So I love this time of year. This season also shows God's enduring faithfulness. We sing, great is thy faithfulness. And that we think about it more during this time of harvest. And we've had like winter, I mean, fall decorations in our house of pumpkins and cornucopias and orange and brown things. I don't know what they are even, but they're in baskets and stuff and they look beautiful. And it reminds me of fall when I walk into my home and I've done that. When you refuse to give thanks to God, you're refusing the bounty that comes from him. And when you do that, that's a bad place for you to be. It's a time to look back and enjoy the fruit of your labor. Some people, it's a time of accounting because they've been disappointed because they've been failed to realize some dreams they had and some hopes this year. It have not happened. And for some, they're going through a little bit of sadness, even though it's Thanksgiving. When I look in the stories in the Bible of characters, I started charting their lives based on the season that they're in, based on the stories that are written. And you can kind of see that progression as well. When I read the story of John the Baptist, I mean, you think about this guy. Here's a guy out by the Jordan River. He's a cousin of Jesus. He's out preaching by the Jordan River. Great crowds are coming. It's his fall season. It's his time of great accomplishment here. The Bible says he was to prepare the way for the Lord to come physically. And so he's out there. He's preparing. He's teaching the truth. The Messiah is coming. God's sending his, his, his Messiah is going to come and save us from our, from the oppression of the Romans and all this stuff. He's preaching truth out there to all these multitudes. And then Jesus comes. And when Jesus comes, he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that was his cousin. And he, Jesus went down into the Jordan River, where we'll be with our seniors and some other, other folks in our church back in January. We'll be there at the Jordan River. And uh, maybe a chance for you to get baptized. January 21, getting baptized in the Jordan River? May not be such a great idea if you don't like cold water. But if you do, we may be able to dunk you in the Jordan. And as people, many do, thousands and thousands of pilgrims do that in Israel. And they're just remembering that this is the place, actual river, where John the Baptist took Jesus down into the water. And he baptized him there. When he put him under the water, the Bible says, you say, why do y'all immerse in your church? Because the Bible says when they put him under the water, he came up out of the water. If I'm sprinkling a little water on your head, it's hard to come out of that. I can step out of my shower. But then it says he came up out of. 
So he came up out of the water. And as he did, that's the beautiful picture of the Trinity all in one specific moment of time. The son being baptized, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove alighting on his head. And the voice of God the Father saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It's a beautiful picture of the Trinity right there of Jesus starting his public ministry. All all prepared for by who? John the Baptist. It's a time of thankfulness for John. I got to baptize Jesus. Wow. I got to preach about his coming and there he was. I got to talk to multitudes. It's amazing. But something happens right after that in the life of John. What always follows fall? Winter. John the Baptist is hauled away to prison. He's placed in prison because of a very wicked king that was in power at the time. And because of his wife wanting the head of John the Baptist on a platter, they chopped his head off execution style. That was a winter season following that fall. But his job was over. His time was done. He didn't live a very long life. I don't know why his life was cut short. He asked questions himself when he was in prison. If Jesus is the one he says he is, then why isn't he coming to help me? He was in winter. He was exactly where God wanted him to be. And he called him home. Boy, that doesn't make much sense, does it? One of the most often used fall themes is fruitfulness. Reminds me of Paul's words. He said, bear fruit to God. We talk around here a lot. Our staff talks about it all the time. What kind of fruit are you seeing happening in your life? Whatever you're bearing is going to produce fruit, either good or bad. What's, what's being showed up in the way you live, in the way you act, in the way you think, in the way you behave? It will produce fruit, good or bad. Be fruitful to God. One of the original commands was be fruitful and replenish the earth. I think that we've done a pretty good job of that. There's people all over the earth, billions of us. So here we are all today. Paul also said this, when I became a man, I put away childish things. What's he talking about here? When we leave a season and we move into a new season, we ought to become more mature. We ought to be more growing in our our spiritual formation, having learned and be a little bit more wise than I was here. And as you're doing that, as you progress over your life, that's the progress God wants you to make. There's a certain uncertainty under what comes next after the drama of fall. There's an eerie awareness that there's only one way to happen next, and that thing coming is called winter. We can't live in perpetual harvest all the time, but we can rest assured that the following of winter is already as always a new spring to follow. How many ever heard your parents or a friend or a teacher or a boss say something to you like that? I I heard my parents tell me this, Stephen, you'll only get out of something what you put into it. So put into something and you will get something out of it. Have anybody ever heard that statement? Let me see your hands. That statement is a lie. (laughs) I heard it. I thought it was true. I thought that's, I, I guess that makes some sense. And I guess in some semblance it could be true. But when you think about it with God, it's not true at all. Here's what's true about this. If I'm an investor and I take your money and you say you give me $50,000 and you give me $50,000 for me to invest. And then in 10 years, you come back to me and say, what did we make? We didn't make anything, but here's your $50,000 back. You only get in it what you put out. I mean, I see me now. You put in it, I give it back to you. No, 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 no. 
That's not the way investments work. You put in something wanting to get what? Much more back than you put in. And that's the way God is. When you put in that you want to be friends with him and you want to serve him and live for him, guess what he's going to give you back? Just the bare minimum amount that you gave him. Is is that what he's going to give back to you? He's going to give you, the Bible says, far more than you can even ask or think. I can ask and think a lot of stuff. He can give me more than that? Yes. And so that's the way our God is. We can believe that. Now let's talk a little bit about this. Galatians 6, 7, and 10 says this. How does this process work? Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap what? Destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap what? Eternal life. That means here and there. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. What's the point of all these verses? Here's the point. Be careful what you sow. I sow to the flesh. I'm going to get back to flesh in spades. Far worse than I was sowing. I sow to the spirit. I'm going to get far more and abundantly than I give to God. Because that's the way God is. Be careful what you sow. Everyone is sowing some kind of seed, whether you are aware of it or not. The flesh, the seed is either to please our flesh or to please our spirit. When I give in to sinful temptation, my flesh is indulged and God is mocked. And so if I treat lust like a flower fertilize it and let it grow and stuff like that, it will overwhelm and it overwhelm my life physically and harm me. Instead of me pulling it like a weed and casting it into the fire and saying, I want nothing to do with that. That's not who I am. And so that's the way you need to look at it when you're sowing to your flesh. When I sow a seed of greed, when I sow a seed of anger, when I sow a seed of bitterness or envy or fear, when I sow these things, that's what I get back in spades. It's no wonder sometimes, hey, my life is a disaster. You're sowing seeds to cause it to happen. Change the seeds you sow. How can I see this change? Here's how you can see it change. You can sow good seed. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, virtue. You can sow that kind of thing and you'll get that back. That's the way God is. Here's a good plan to do when bad things and bad impulses come to you. You're living your life and you're trying to really please and serve God, but this bad impulse comes upon you to do something wrong, take something wrong, be something, I don't know, whatever it is. When this impulse comes, you've got to make a split second decision. Am I going to give in to my flesh or I'm going to say no, because that's not who I am. I don't want to sow that seed. I'm going to not do that. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit quickly and I'm going to ask God the Father and Jesus to come. All of you come right now. I need you. Help. So you're asking for spiritual encouragement at that moment because there's going to always be a war between your spirit and your flesh till the day you die. You say, well, Steve, you're a pastor on the staff. You've been a pastor how long? 44 years. I bet you don't struggle with anything. Right, I'm a pastor. I'm a 
holy, righteous man of God. I have no issues. I have no problems. I have no temptations that come to me day in and day out because I am a godly pastor. That's a bunch of malarkey. Nothing true with that whatsoever. I put my pants on one leg at a time just like you do. And I struggle with thought, you know why? My flesh is not saved. It's, it's not, it's one day going to be left on the earth and I'll get a new body, which will go along with the new spirit man, which is in me in heaven. My body ain't going to heaven. It's not saved. My flesh is not saved. I have the new man inside of me. And that's the conflict that's there between the flesh and the spirit. And you have to sow the seeds to the spirit side. The more you sow, the more mature, the stronger in your faith you will become. Will there still be problems and difficulties along their journey? Yes. But you'll be so trained and disciplined over time that it will be a better road for you to travel. And less time involved in the temptations that used to absolutely destroy you. What you sow is what's going to grow. Let's say that out loud, see if you can remember it. What you sow is what's going to grow. If you'll remember that, you'll be in a good position. Every day, there may be interruptions, there may be criticism, there may be bitterness, but you're all going to overcome that. You're, so, you're serving, you're serving out, uh, sowing out love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. You're serving the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible talks about how we sow. Look at these scriptures. It'll talk about this. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap what? Sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. That means bountifully more. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We normally think about that as regarding to what? Offerings in a church. Pastors love this passage. I love to hammer this passage at my congregation. To be a cheerful giver of funding so we can carry on our vision, our mission, support everything that we do here for the kingdom. And so I always use that verse for stewardship passage. But really, it's not necessarily talking about simply money. It's talking about everything you give. Everything you have to give, you will get it back. Here's the thing. And God is able to do what? Bless you about the same amount as you gave to him. No, 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 no. It's going to be how much more? abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound not you will get by barely by the skin of your teeth you will abound in every good work i want to be a person of abundance and abounding my goodness this is too good as it is written they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor their righteousness endures forever now he who supplies seed to the sower Bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So the more good seed I sow, the more big things for God I reap into my life. And things start to go better for me. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in what? Thanksgiving to God. When I'm generous... It increases, as you heard from the stage, from Brittany and from Ben. When I'm generous and when I'm thankful, when I'm giving like that, God, God's blessing comes back to me over and over and over again. And when you think about the winter season, which follows the fall, it's often hard and mournful and very stressful for some people. 
I saw a poll of people who don't like Christmas necessarily, don't decorate or do anything much for it. It's about 25% of Americans. So about three or four of you in this room like it and do something. About 25% of you don't do anything about it at all. It's, maybe it's too hard. Maybe it's too stressful for you. And when you look at the seasons of life, winter is the one that has usually the most darkness and difficult times. The other three seasons are mostly filled with joyful things. For example, spring is joy in new things in the key of hope. Summer is joy in the key of fun. Things that are new and fresh and delightful and satisfying. We have fun. Yay. Summer's great. Fall is joy in the key of fulfillment. Reaping what's been sown and storing up what's been reaped. And that's the season of fall of which we're in right now. Now, I've met and known a lot of people in churches over my 44 years of pastoral work. When I started thinking about it, started processing it, I wrote this down. Most everyone I've ever known, I can put in one of three categories here. And you will be in one of these three categories. I don't, I'm not here picking on anybody. I don't have you in mind when I'm about to say this. But here's some general categories. The first is this. Those who sow mostly good seed all the time. Mostly. All the time, if you had to ask them and, I, and know their life, and you know them intimately, you know they're mostly sowing good seed most all the time. They're passionate about God. They love God with all their heart, mind, strength, and soul. They're faithful. They're serving. They're, they, they're just generous people. When you just think of them, you just think about a, you might consider them to be a saint. You might consider them a person that really has a passion and love for God. Maybe they're a great example to you. But they're mostly sowing good seed, some generously, some sparingly, but they're mostly sowing good seed most all the time. Second group of people I see are mostly sowing bad seed all the time. I mean, they can sit out here in the church and be that kind of a person? Yes, they can. Mostly bad seed. Some of the time or most of the time. Critical, bitter, angry, frustrated, difficult. Howard Hendricks said, behind every smile is a set of teeth. You can walk in the church and say, hi, pastor, how are you? I can turn my back. You can chew a pastor up, eat roast pastor for lunch and spit him out. I know I've been spit out by many people over years. Mostly bad seed, some most of the time. Here's the third group. Those who sow very little or no seed most of the time. You say, who's this? This is a person not really growing at all. This is a person not necessarily good or bad. They're filled with what we call a fallow field. There's nothing growing because you're throwing no seed. You're just kind of coasting in automatic, you know, just neutral, just kind of just go. Maybe because of habit, you get up and come to church. You don't think about God till next Sunday when you're sitting in this chair again for a whole week. You know what you're sowing? Mostly nothing. It's not that you're doing heinous sins and crimes to be on television in the show or something. About, no, no. You're not doing good stuff either. You're just kind of coasting. Just coasting. Kind of running on the coattails of other people sowing seed. But you're not sowing much at all. You're barren. Just hearing and believing is not enough. You hear it here week in, week out. It's not enough. Not enough. You have to hear it and you have to process what you hear. When you hear me, Chad, anybody, Lee, whoever's up here, when you hear anybody talk to you, 
process it in your mind. Spit out the bones. We all have them. Every preacher has that. Take the good. Take what you've learned. Take one little thing. What I sow is what I grow. For me, maybe take that today and let that swim around in your brain. Let that process into your brain. Take some stuff like that and process it. If you do so, it will be helpful to you. It'll soak down then into your head, into hopefully your heart. And then when it hits your heart, hopefully it will exemplify itself in the actions of what you do or don't do because of what you've processed and learned by hearing God's word taught to you. That's the way I always want to be when I'm listening. I want to have an open heart, open hand, open mind to hear Process it, throw out the bones, chew on this meat, let it affect the way I think, act, and behave. And if I do that, then I start to see spiritual growth. As I look back in my life on all the seasons of 66 years of life, I can see what God did in the winter of my life and what he's done in some fall, what he's done in the springtime. Yay, everything's new and exciting. And what he's done in the summertime. Whoop, whoop, we're at the beach. And so I I can look back at all these seasons and I can see where God was at work in my life or in my wife's life and in our family's life. I can look back and kind of look and chart it. And that's something I had never done before. And I just want to encourage you to consider doing something like that. So today, what is your challenge? Here it is. Sow something and make it good seed. It will define ultimately who you become and who you are. I'm just going to keep sowing good seed. And eventually it's going to reap a bountiful harvest. I'm going to do it. If not, you can sow bad seed and you will reap a bad harvest every time. Every time. So here's the three categories again. You can tell me which one you're in. Ready? If you're mostly doing good seed, sowing good seed, here's what encouragement I have for you. Keep it up. Way to go. I'm happy for you. I am proud of you. You're the person we all would like to become. If we're on this journey of wanting to become deeper and and friends with God on our journey of life, I want to look at you and say, man, you pull me along your journey because of watching you. We've got staff members like that. I've been on a lot of church staffs in 44 years. Some I've worked for people. Then I was many years a senior pastor and had people working for me. And now I'm back under people working here on a staff with the senior, wonderful senior adults in our church. So I'm under. I'm under Andy Stone, who's one of our new pastors here. I spent a lot of time with Andy this week. I had a great time with him. And I, after I got through meeting with him, I realized Andy is a guy. He's moved here from England. He's going to be working with our adult ministries. He really has a a concern for me. He's asking me some penetrating questions, and I'm thinking to myself, hmm, I think Andy's going to want to sow a lot of seed into my life. I need to show him. I want to do and process what you're telling me and see production take place and see a multiplication take place in our senior adult ministry of like you're encouraging me to do. As I'm listening to Andy, he is an encourager to me. I want to learn more from him. I want to hear his vision. I want to please him. He's the guy I'm now working for on the church staff. If you're sowing good seed, keep it up. Second category. If you're throwing out mostly bad seed, stop it! If you've never seen the video of Bob Newhart in the counseling situation he finds himself in, YouTube it today. How many of you have never seen that? Let me see your hand. You've never seen it. 
Okay, go home on YouTube, look up Bob Newhart, stop it. He's in the counseling office. Woman comes in. She said, well, let me hear about the problem. And she says, well, I've got this and this and this and this. He said, okay, you get out a piece of paper. You're going to write, write this down. Okay. Two words. Here we go. Yeah, what? Stop it! <laughs> That'll be 1995. You know, you can leave your money here. <laughs> when I saw that little clip, I have never forgotten it. So if you're sowing bad seed, stop it. If you're sowing mostly no seed at all, start it. (laughs) Thought about playing Start It Up by the Rolling Stones, but I thought, no, I won't won't do that today. But start it. Start throwing some seed. Sit back and watch a harvest come. That will encourage you to keep throwing that kind of good seed out there. See, how have you been going for 44 years as a pastor and not falling off the wagon, messed up your life, ruined it and destroyed it and torn up your house and your marriage and your church and all that stuff? Because over the years, I've just been as faithful as I know to do, throw some good seed. It's not bragging. It's just the way I want to serve my God to be a friend of his, just like you can. I'm not doing anything you can't do. So when I'm pursuing this thing about being God's friend and I see some blessing coming back in abundance and stuff like that, then you can rejoice that God is a good, good God. So what group are you in today? Are you good seed? Are you bad seed? You know seed. God will be with you in season and out of season and you can trust him in every season you are in. Let me close by telling you one last thing. We don't do Thanksgiving at our house on Thursday because we let the other families go with their other relatives and stuff like that to do them on the actual day of the holiday. We're what we call the A grandparents, and the A grandparents say, we'll do it any day. You can come. We don't care. We'll just celebrate that day and let you go be with the people that have to have everything done on the day of the deal. And if you don't do it this way, life is going to be miserable for everybody. We are not those people. So we've never had a real holiday on Thanksgiving, Christmas, any of those kind of deals. We just figure a day we can get together, make it all work with who we got. And so this year it was Friday after Thanksgiving. So after you've stuffed and gouged yourself at these other families' houses on the actual day, then you come to our house or this year our daughter's house and we have our family gathering and we do it again with the whole the same food you just had the day before. So you get this massive doses of turkey and sweet potatoes and potatoes and dressing and all this stuff. You get it all twice in my family. And of course, what's left over, we got it Saturday too. We'll have it today as well and probably soup or something made out of it on a Monday too. And it's amazing what gravy and dressing in a blender will do with a little remaining of... And just drink it out. But eventually it'll all be gone. We got the best cranberry relish recipe. It came from Biltmore House up in Asheville. It's amazing. We got enough of that left, and I can just gouge on that for a few days more. But this year at Thanksgiving, we said, I don't know why we've never done this before, but we're starting a new tradition. Used to be, we'd go around the table and say, tell one thing you're thankful for, you know. And with with 11 grandkids, it turns into, it degrades really quickly into something, you know, that they're thankful for. You know, how do we, how do we do it? So I said, okay, Becky, we did a brunch at our house in the morning 
And then that afternoon, we went over to Angela's house and had a Thanksgiving dinner. So we had the family together for about 10 hours. You know what that's like, having 10 hours with 11 grandkids for 10 straight hours. So I'm thinking, okay, let's do something. When they're all there, it's usually so chaotic that some are down here, some are outside, and some are doing stuff. We got them all together after the brunch, and we sat them down in the living room. And in the living room, I gave them a talk. And we're going to call this the Patriarch of the Family's Thanksgiving Talk. To all the grandchildren and to my children and their spouses sitting before me. So I had a good 15 or 18 minutes to kind of give them a little bit of talk about Thanksgiving and about gratitude. How to be grateful. What does it mean to be grateful? What does it mean if you expect something? If you have an expectation, here's what I'm going to get. And this is what is called reality. And you don't get it. The gap in between is always called disappointment. How do you handle that? I told them some stories about how I didn't handle it real well when I was a kid with my Christmas presents. The worst situation was my parents, I really begged them at Christmas to get me when I was about 12, a Schwinn Stingray bicycle. It was a little 20-inch bicycle with a banana seat and high handlebars. And I was so excited because I knew they had been shopping for something. And on Christmas Day, what they gave me was the banana seat and the handlebars to put on my old 24-inch bicycle. And I looked like some kind of a nerd or something. I kept driving around. I'm riding around this big bicycle. All these other kids doing wheelies and spinning around and looking at my bike laughing. (laughs) He's got that bicycle. (laughs) I expected reality disappointment. Okay? Watch this. Don't ever be disappointed with God. Bring your reality to where God is, and he will meet all of your needs. Sow some seed and sow good, good seed. I hope you will. I hope you will. We had a great time teaching the kids and a lot of fun. And I told Becky afterwards, they actually sat pretty still and listened and answered the questions and didn't fool around and talk. I guess we'll try it again at Christmas. (laughs) So we're just kind of learning some stuff here, maybe a little late in the game, but we're trying And I want you to keep trying too. At the end, we'll have some prayer servants here. If you'd like anyone to pray with you about any needs in any situation, come forward. If if you're in a certain tough season, you haven't been able to get over it. Come ask a prayer servant to pray with you, to see God in that season, wherever you are, and help you get over it. And they'll be here and they'll pray for you about anything you want. And so we hope that you'll come if you want to for prayer. And uh, we're just so glad that you've come today. And I want to just pray a blessing over you. And we'll, let's all stand up and we'll pray a blessing over you. And then we'll be dismissed. Father, for every person here, as we leave this room, I pray that we would sow good seed. Make every person here a person that sows good seed that will return some 10, 100, 1,000 fold of good in the lives of their own lives and the lives of their children as well. So, Lord, make us sowers of good seed and then return to us the blessings because of our faithfulness to you. Dismiss us today in your love, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.